SCP-2273. Major Alexei Belitrov of the Red Army's 22nd Armored Infantry Division. War is typically a brutal, horrifying, and tragic affair for most of those that partake in it, with long-lasting ramifications. This SCP is about a soldier from another universe who wears a living bug as armor, but at the same time it's about more familiar and relatable concepts related to war. We won't get action-packed logs filled with alternate universe soldiers tearing things apart, but we will get an interesting and unique look at a man separated from his war-torn home. SCP-2273 is an entity of extra-universal origin consisting of two separate but connected parts, one being a non-anomalous human man named Alexei Belitrov, and the other is an anomalous organism that shares a symbiotic relationship with him. This organism completely covers Alexei, leaving nothing exposed, and possesses a number of unique traits, including a durable, chitinous carapace, compound-lensed eyes that give it a 270-degree field of vision, advanced musculature that allows Alexei to lift an estimated 1,200 kilograms of weight, a proboscis similar to that of a housefly that lets the organism procure nutrients, and a fully functional organic radio transceiver. The organism's circulatory and nervous systems are connected with Alexei, so whatever it sees, feels, or hears, so does Alexei. Alexei can't normally speak, so the radio transceiver is used for all communications. 2273 is nearly 7 feet in height, weighing over 600 pounds, but was unarmed when found, with wounds on its arms and shoulder blades where Alexei says that weapons were previously mounted. The organism also had some colored scar tissue that appeared like tattoos, corresponding to military patches, indicating that Alexei was a major in the 22nd Armored Infantry Division, a unit that doesn't exist nor has ever existed in the Russian military. Alexei was found by the Foundation after investigating a seismic event and subsequent radiation spikes in Wisconsin in 1989. He was found by tracking down some radio transmissions, and he was discovered wounded, delirious, and suffering from malnutrition, offering no resistance to the recovery team. He is subsequently interviewed by a Dr. Friedrich, who first tries speaking in Russian, but Alexei responds in German and tells him his accent is atrocious. Alexei then tells him to stop with the pleasantries, because he knows that they have killed his men tortured him, and left him to die in the wilderness. He says that his men died because he surrendered, and he knows that was a mistake because they should have died like warriors, fighting for the motherland. He had hoped that by surrendering he could spare their lives, but instead they are dead, and he's here in an American concentration camp. When asked if he knows where he is, Alexei says that it doesn't matter, because he will not be broken. To help Alexei understand his situation, the doctor gives him some low-level information about the Foundation. This clears a few things up for him, and he refers to the Foundation not as dogs, but as crows, which is Red Army slang for the Foundation equivalent in his universe, 
a group that steals weapons from both sides for containment. He now understands that he is not where he came from, and although Dr. Friedrich tells him they want to find out where he came from so they can send him back, Alexei knows that he'll be in this cell forever. Friedrich admits that's probably the case, but the experience doesn't have to be miserable if he cooperates. Three days later, Alexei asks to speak again with Friedrich, telling him that he's not quite sure the Foundation isn't working with the Americans, so he's not going to say anything that the Americans in his universe wouldn't already know. When asked about the war that he's been involved in, Alexei says that it is the Second Great Patriotic War, which started after the Americans launched a nuclear attack against Russia and its allies. This led to a nuclear holocaust, with most of the population forced to retreat underground. Alexei's armor allows him to survive on the surface, and it was built for the Russian military by a group called the Engineers. He's not even sure how it works, really, but he knows that it has saved his life countless times, and has been worth the pain. Since the armor takes many years to grow, Alexei's parents volunteered him for the program when he was just a boy, and it was the most painful experience of his life. He is glad for the process though, as it made him that much more of a warrior for his country, since everything it feels, sees, smells, tastes, or hears, so does he. Additionally, the organism is capable of thinking as it identifies targets, weapons, ammunition, supplies, friends and foes, objectives, hazards, and helps Alexei formulate battle plans and combat tactics. He is clearly proud of the things that he and his armor have accomplished over the years. When the Foundation had found him, he had just been captured by the Americans, who had forcibly removed his weapons and supply packs, which were mounted onto the organism's body, creating wounds. They had done this with all of Alexei's surviving men as well, before killing them. All he remembers afterwards is a bright flash of light. The Americans were gone, and he was in a different location, so he started sending encrypted distress codes until the Foundation found him. The next day, Alexei was showing significantly reduced signs of stress, and asked Dr. Friedrich if he could be supplied with recordings of the Russian composer Tchaikovsky. Friedrich says he'll see what he can find, and then asks him more about the engineers that built his armor. The engineers have apparently never built this armor for themselves because it is not their war. When Friedrich asks why not, Alexei asks if they don't have engineers in this world because they are very much not like humans. They fear the sun and have beast-like coats, but are smarter than any human you'd ever meet. They made the war possible for both sides. I've discussed these entities before, as SCP-1000, also known as Bigfoot, or the Children of the Night. In Alexei's universe, they hadn't been wiped out to the same degree as in our universe, so instead they had just stayed underground. Alexei explains that they were a relatively recent discovery by the people of his world, when the French found them in buried cities during the Great War, while they were digging trenches. SCP-1000 decided to help both sides by making advanced weaponry in order to propagate war amongst our species as payback. This war of course ended with Germany's defeat. 
Alexei recognizes some understanding in Friedrich's eyes, as he guesses that their worlds are not entirely different after all. Two years go by with Alexei in peaceful containment, regularly interviewed every week by Friedrich. He had been reading The Time Machine by H.G. Wells, and identified with the protagonist, as they had both seen many things that they didn't think they would ever see, and been to places that they would have rather have not been to. They both saw the world die, and have gone somewhere where they cannot return from, leaving friends behind. Alexei goes on to mention that he's been having trouble sleeping at night, worried that his armor might be malfunctioning. It seems to be dragging up old memories as he's trying to sleep, which is one of its functions, so that Alexei can remember details he'd normally forget, but now it's showing him things from the war that he'd rather forget. Alexei brushes it off though, saying that he'll cope, but Friedrich encourages him to discuss it. After some hesitation, Alexei explains that he's been seeing his men's faces staring up at him from the dirt, asking him why he didn't keep them safe, and why he was allowed to live while they had to die. He had trained alongside those men since they were children, and it was his order to surrender that got them killed. He believes that he should have died with them, and now he's no better than the American dogs that killed them. He doesn't want to feel this way anymore, and asks the doctor to make it stop. The regular article of 2273 ends at this point, but Alexei's story does not, which continues on in a person of interest file numbered 2273. His story continues in an alternate timeline, the Broken Masquerade Canon, where public awareness of anomalies leads the SCP Foundation to set free a number of safer, sapient anomalies, including Alexei. He wanted to find work in Russia, so he was given passage to Volgograd through the Mana Charitable Foundation's Anomaly Reintegration Project, but the government refused to hire him due to him being an anomaly. Alexei earned a living by doing various television, radio, and online interviews, but failed to find any permanent employment. Finally, after two years, he contacted the MCF's Office for Anomaly Reintegration and asked to be relocated. Three weeks later, the Foundation lost track of Alexei, until the following year, when he began to send letters to Dr. Friedrich without disclosing his location. In the first letter, Alexei thanks Friedrich for everything he did for him at the Foundation, and he knows that Friedrich helped downgrade Alexei to safe status so he could be released. He's still having the nightmares, but Friedrich taught him some techniques to help him handle it, and he says there's no way he can repay him for that. He explains that the last three years have been hard for him, as he's too accustomed to the world he came from, and this world has too many flashing lights and happy people and air and food and capitalism. He says that this world is stranger than the books he's read led him to believe, and it's beautiful, but it's not meant for him. He reminisces about some of the friends that he had made while in containment, and actually says that he misses being in a cell. He mentions that he's been able to eke out a living through interviews, but it's become exhausting and the public is losing interest. People on the street either avoid him like the monster that he is, or treat him like a celebrity or hero that he isn't. He almost misses seeing Russia as a burned and radioactive wasteland, 
and eventually he decided that he needed to head to a more remote and isolated location. He again thanks the doctor, and hopes he'll write back so he can know how everyone at the site is doing. In the next letter, Alexei says that for the first 30 years of his life, he had been told that atheism was absolute truth, and that religion was just propaganda used by capitalists and monarchs to keep the masses in chains. But now he sees that the people he's with currently dedicate themselves to their god, and their lives are without pain or worry. They treat Alexei as one of their own, and ask nothing of him, and they are more understanding of his condition than anyone else he's met. He says that these people are not in chains, and may be the only free people he has ever known. It turns out that Alexei had been relocated to a monastery belonging to the Eastern Clockwork Orthodox Church, a denomination of the Church of the Broken God that incorporates elements of the Russian Orthodox Church. While on a trip to a village away from the monastery, Alexei saw one of his old anomalous friends on television being publicly presented at some sort of conference, and he was glad to see that it was healthy. He also saw that another of his friends, SCP-507, had published an autobiography of his experiences in containment, and he plans on reading it. For the first time in his life, Alexei has started praying for people he's never met and for people he's lost. He prays for Dr. Friedrich's health and hopes that someday he'll be able to walk as a free man. It seems that Friedrich at some point had been contained as an SCP for unknown reasons. The following letter, sent nine years after his release, has Alexei telling Friedrich that he's sorry he can't come and visit him because the MCF won't help provide passage to the Foundation site. Most people, including them, believe that Alexei faced abuse at the Foundation's hands. It seems that Friedrich had recently been diagnosed with stage 3 lymphoma, and this is possibly being exacerbated by his anomalous condition. Alexei continues to pray for him, and tells him to remember that Christ is with him. It's noted that by this point, Alexei had joined the Eastern Clockwork Orthodoxy as a full member. The next letter was sent seven years later, in January of 2034. Friedrich was heading into radiation therapy to treat his stage 4 lymphoma, and Alexei prays for a safe surgery and rapid recovery. He hopes that Friedrich will contact him soon, as it's been a cold winter and good news will help to welcome the coming spring. Alexei's lost too many friends and known far too much tragedy in his life, seen worlds and friends die, and cannot stand to see another friend leave this world so soon. He writes that, although Friedrich is unmarried, he is not unloved, and he has to be strong for both himself and for Alexei. He wants Friedrich to plant a garden in the spring, as he hopes to swap gardening photos with one another again. He tells Friedrich to trust in the power of the Lord and in modern medicine, because God is smiling on him. Unfortunately, due to several cancerous tissues avoiding detection, Friedrich's condition deteriorated rapidly, and he passed away on February 11th. The letter sent from Alexei arrived at the Foundation site four days later, and was returned to sender. We switch over to excerpts from Alexei's diary at this point, with an entry written a year after the previous letter. 
He writes that today is the day that the monastery celebrates the birth of their lord, but he has no desire to celebrate. All of his friends in the world are dead, and nothing that his brothers and sisters are doing will lighten his mood. Father Cogwheel and Mother Axel spoke to him today, expressing concern, but he doesn't expect them to understand. They don't know what it's like to sit in a containment cell or the small comfort that might come from hearing a piece of familiar music, because they are machines stuck in mechanical ways. They talk of confession and forgiveness, but don't know what it's like to confess to murdering innocent children while a man behind a glass partition tells you that you can be forgiven. They don't know the joy from teaching a small child how to play chess or watching her eyes light up as you tell her stories nor do they know the darkness that can enter a soul when one sees those people die. Alexei knows that there is comfort in the words of God, but this comfort evades him now, and he's not sure if he'll ever find comfort again. Four years later, Alexei's journal includes various notes about a sermon that he had been assigned to write by high-ranking individuals within the monastery, suggesting not only that he had kept with the faith, but also that he had been promoted in some way within their hierarchy. The final journal entry listed is from 14 years later, in September of 2053. Alexei writes that he has lived a long and painful life, his earliest memories being of mushroom clouds and radioactive rain and cold concrete bunkers. He spent one-third of his 95 years fighting a war that he should never have believed in, and another one-third in a cell, never seeing sunlight and being tossed children's novels to keep him compliant. It has only been in this last third of his life that he has seen the goddess's light and mercy. He knows that he is a sinner, and what he has done recently will not be enough to earn the goddess's forgiveness, but this doesn't concern him. He has sinned, and will pay for those sins, but he's also blessed because he can see the wicked in humanity, and can speak out against it. He writes that each of us are cogs and gears, springs and axles and other mechanisms in her grand mechanism. She has been rebuilt and has departed this world with a promise of return, but she was never truly broken because each of us are part of her. It's not those that don't follow the faith that are doomed, but rather those who would seek to make violence in the world and those that seek to disassemble the beauty of her grand design. People of all religions are equal in the broken goddess's eyes, as long as they don't seek to hurt her children, all of humanity. Alexei doesn't believe that he has much time left for this world, and he asks his brothers and sisters not to mourn his passing. He would rather that they simply remember that the goddess is most pleased with those who seek kind, non-violent resolutions to their problems, because a machine whose gears grind against each other is a machine that cannot work. He says to seek truth, but also compassion, and signs off as Father Anvil. Alexei, or rather Father Anvil, passed away on October 13th, 2053, and was buried in the graveyard at the Eastern Clockwork Orthodoxy Monastery. There's no doubt that Alexei Belotrov had an extremely unique life, and the point isn't that he ended up joining the Church of the Broken God, or even that he found religion. 
The point is that he was a man bred for war and violence ever since he was a child, and yet despite everything, still managed to find peace later in life. He was a man haunted by both his actions as well as unavoidable outcomes, and truth be told, if it wasn't for his friendship with an incredibly humane Foundation doctor, he may have ended up rotting in a cell. Funnily enough, the fact that he was a man covered in living bug armor is almost irrelevant in light of his personal story. Not every SCP article has to be about world-ending threats or god-like anomalies, and Alexei is a good example of anomalous humanoids sometimes being heartwarmingly human.